right, you guys make your way to your seat. Because I got to preach the gospel, and it's burning in me. So I got to get it out. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, love Mother's Day. Love it, love it. But let me tell you, I know it sounds crazy maybe a little. I don't know. I guess it sounds crazy to me. But, man, I have been excited to teach and preach on Mother's Day. I have. I, I'm excited today because I believe that God has put a word in my heart that is applicable not only to mothers, stay with me guys, all right, but to all of us. And so I'm excited about sharing that message. But before I begin, let me say what Ashley kind of uh, said there and, and just piggyback on it for a moment. I know that today that for many of you, I know that Mother's Day is a difficult day. As a matter of fact, I know there are quite a few people that aren't even here today because it's Mother's Day, because of all that that, that means. Um, this Mother's Day is the first time that I have spoken uh, on a Mother's Day since my mom passed four years ago. Um, so I get it. And I know that there are a lot of you here that you have lost uh, your mom as well. And a day like today can stir a lot of emotions. And not only for our current moms, uh, but also for those who may have lost a child, as Ashley said, but also even for many of you ha who have desired to have a child, but for whatever reason, it hasn't happened. Well, I hope that today will um, encourage you by giving you some insight into God's word and knowing that God has an incredible plan and a purpose that we all get to be a part of. One that begins with one of the most famous moms throughout history, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, if you're just joining us, we've been on a series that we've called Storytellers, and we've been looking at a few different people's lives to see what their life story can teach us. And I just want to say to you that your story, your life, rather, is writing a story. In other words, uh, the way that you are living your life, it is telling others about what you think about life, what you think about people, and most importantly, what you think about God. And so I'm excited to look at Mary's story and to see what her life story can teach us. But I want all my fellows to know that this isn't going to be a message that's talking about uh, baby showers and a bunch of chick stuff, okay? But rather, today's message, it's designed to activate all of us and propel us into our God-given destiny. And like I said, I have to be honest whenever I said that I'm excited about teaching you today's message. And one of the reasons is because I feel like Mary, like she has been either on one side of two different extremes. Like on one side of the pendulum, you've got the Catholic approach, and on the other side, you've got the Protestant approach. And what I mean by that is Catholics elevate Mary to a position that's higher than what she ought to be, but Protestants many times completely fail to even mention Mary with maybe the exception of Christmas. And so I want us to today look at Mary's life, her story, and see what God's word wants to teach us through it, okay? So yes, we're turning to Luke chapter 1 that we normally just turn to at Christmas, but I want you to turn in your Bibles to the gospel of Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start 
and verse 26. And today, we're primarily just going to be looking at the beginning of Mary's life. I feel like that sometime down the road, there's got to be a series on Mary because there's so much that we can learn from her life. But I want us to look at Luke chapter 1, start in verse 26. And the scripture says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Many of you know that scripture isn't comprehensive in the sense that it doesn't detail every single moment of every single event. Nor does it share everything that is in someone's past or all that may even be going on in their mind at that exact moment. The Bible says that Mary, she wondered what kind of greeting this must be from the angel. Now, I don't know about you. But if I had an angel show up and start talking to me, I may have to go change my underwear. <laughs> Hello? I mean, most of us would have to be resuscitated after that greeting. But Mary, she isn't shocked. She doesn't pass out. She doesn't have a heart attack. She's just wondering, oh, I wonder what kind of greeting this is. This suggests that maybe, just maybe, she's had other types of God encounters or greetings in her life. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. Verse 30 says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, only a man, Dr. Luke, <laughs> could write this. I mean, it could only be a physician who would say, hey, no worries, you're, you're going to conceive a son, you're going to carry him for nine months, you won't need an epidural, you'll be fine, right? Only a man could write that, right, ladies? Verse 32, he says, he will be great, and he will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Then Mary asked the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Mary's like, angel, did you fail biology? <laughs> right? I mean, I didn't even, never even made it to first base. How, how am I supposed to be pregnant? <laughs> Verse 35, she said, the angel said, the Holy Spirit, he'll come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. Watch this. For no word from God will ever fail. That, that right there is a good place to just underline that. If you've got your Bible, if you've got some kind of app to be able to highlight it, highlight that. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Wow. I mean, what a way to open up the gospel of Luke. You know, I said this last week, but you can think whatever you want to think about the Bible or say whatever you want to say about the Bible. But one thing that you can't say is that it's boring because it is anything but. And so the story of Mary starts out with an angelic visitation. 
And we didn't read this part of the story, but there was also another angelic visitation. That was a visitation from an angel to Zechariah, which was Elizabeth's husband. Now, what you need to know is that angelic visitations, they were not that common in the Bible. And they definitely were not common in showing up to a teenage girl. And so we know something very profound is happening here. Here we have Mary, an ordinary girl who was betrothed to a man named Joseph. And I'm sure that she's waking up each morning thinking about her upcoming wedding, thinking about having babies, thinking about her future with her husband Joseph. And I'm sure that the last thing that was on that, her mind was an angel showing up at her doorsteps. But when he does show up at her doorsteps, she doesn't go into shock, but she has a conversation with him. See, this right here suggests to me that she was a young woman who had a heart after God. And that she was at least aware of the things of God. And so whenever that angel gave her this divine assignment, she was willing and ready to follow God's instructions. Now I want you to notice something here. Mary is about to be given the job profile of birthing God to the world. I mean, the God who flung the universe into being, who laid out the starry host of heaven, the God who spoke and caused things come into existence that had not yet existed before. That God who did all of that, he sent his son with fingers and toes and skin. And then he said to her, you're going to carry him. You're going to carry God in your womb and give birth to him. You know, I hear stories of moms who give birth to uh, nine and ten pound babies, and that right there freaks me out. (laughs) But here we have Mary carrying something much heavier than we could ever possibly imagine. The Savior of the world. And she says, yes. I want to highlight something here. Notice that the angel that God sent came to an ordinary girl. And I think it reveals something to us about God. And that is that how God is going to be revealed to our generation is through ordinary people. Church, you and I are born again and we're sealed into the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit. But what we often do is whenever we look at our lost and our broken world, we pray and we say, God, please send revival. And God says, I already have. I've sent you. I've put my spirit in you, and I want you to go into your workplace and into your community and into your schools. I want you to go and reveal me to a lost world. Church, our world is chaotic. It's desperate. Our world is full of darkness, and it's not going to find any hope in the government. It's not going to find any hope in the education department or in the media or nor any other sphere of life. But the hope of the world is the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the spirit of the living God that's on the inside of us. And God says, I want you to reveal me to the whole world by going, going into the whole of the world and making disciples. That means that we're to be salt, that we're to be light. And we've all been given the same job profile as Mary. Of course, not in 
birthing God incarnate, right? But we are all carriers of the Spirit of God. And it's the Spirit of God that's within us that is the hope of the world. Listen, that's who the church is. This is who we're called to be. And it's our job to go and to be salt and light into a broken world. And just like Mary was called to birth Christ to her generation, you and I are called to birth Christ in our generation. Are you following with me this morning, church? What's that look like? Well, I think that Mary's life gives us an example, a model, uh, if you will, to, to look to. And the first thing that we have to accept and that you've got to believe because it is absolutely true because me standing up here in front of you is proof of this. God uses incredible, ordinary people. Mary was an ordinary teenage girl with nothing extraordinary about her. I mean, there was nothing to suggest that she came from any great lineage or, or great family. She was just an ordinary girl with a willing heart to do something significant for God. Friends, you've heard me say this many times, but God is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. You just need to be available to God and have a willing heart to be used by God, to be the one who says, yes, Lord, and who will have the faith to believe that he will do what he said he will do. The angel of the Lord said to Mary, Mary, you have found favor with God. Matter of fact, did you notice there in the scripture, three different times he tells her that, that she's found favor. Now, many of us, uh, when we hear that, we think, well, of course I'm favored, right? I'm, I'm the blessed of the Lord. Favor ain't fair. I got a good parking spot and you didn't there. Ha, right? I mean, come on, that's like the extent of many believers' belief about favor. But if all favor is, is you believing that you're going to get a better parking spot than someone else, you might want to visit the altar this morning. Sorry I didn't come to preach a cutesy little Mother's Day message to you, but I came to do business. And I activate the word of God and faith in the spirit of God, believing that God's going to do great things in our lives because the spirit of God has been lying dormant in too many people's or many believers' lives. And I want you to write this down so that you have a good understanding of what favor is. Are you ready? Grab hold of this. If you don't grab a hold of anything, grab this. Favor is for service, not for status. When God puts his favor on our lives, it's always so that we can serve a lost and a broken world. It's not so that we can do it for our own purposes. Because it's always meant to serve his purposes. Mary, she receives the favor of God, what comes as the result? Her world is turned upside down. See, some of us, we think that God has left us whenever we see our world turned upside down. And we start to think that we don't have the favor of the Lord. But can I just say that if your life is turned upside down, it just might be a sign that you actually have his favor. Are you with me? We just have to rethink and renew our minds as to what favor actually is. Mary was a teenage girl, um, and today, if a teenage girl were to hear that, you know, favor was upon her, she might be tempted to think, oh, I'm going to get my own reality show, right? 
sweet, about to get married. Maybe I can get on and say yes to the dress. But listen, we think that God's favor is, is, is for us, but understand, favor is for service, not for status. Right after announcing the favor of God to Mary, the angel of the Lord says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be overshadowed with the Spirit of God, and you're going to have an immaculate conception. And I want you to go and explain that to Joseph. Great, awesome, right? <laughs> but this is what happens when you start getting pregnant with a God dream. It will mess up your plans. It'll mess them up. You see, the favor, the invitation to birth Christ into our world, this would come with a cost. I mean, think about this. Think about, you know, what, what her family would think. Think about what her, her friends would think. I mean, she could have been ostracized from her society. I mean, imagine the conversations that would be said about her at the water cooler. Not to mention, Mary could have literally been stoned to death. And I'm not talking about smoking drugs. This ain't 420 here. I'm talking about real, actual rocks and stones here. Friends, the favor of God has a price tag. The favor of God might mean that you lose the favor of men. The favor of God means that not everyone is going to think that you are awesome. The favor of God means that you've got to be willing to go it along with God because there may be a season and a time where only you and God know what's being conceived in you and others won't understand it. Hey, I can't think of a time in my life or in my ministry where there's not been an incubating season of my life where others around me thought I was a little cray-cray, right? If you're over 50, that means crazy. <laughs> but God and I knew. And you know what? I'm looking at the faces of some of you right now, and you know because you've walked down this similar path before. You've walked down this. But the point is this. Today, are you willing to say yes to God? God, I receive your favor, and I understand that it's for service, not for status. And when that God dream is deposited into your spirit and in your heart, watch this. It is normal to be fearful. It's normal. Okay, that doesn't mean that you're weak. doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. That's why the angel said to Mary, fear not. I mean, it would have been normal for Mary to have this fear of losing everything that she had planned for and, and the fear of her family disowning her or the fear of Joseph leaving her. I mean, there's no wonder that the angel said, fear not. I heard someone say, I haven't tested this to see if it's true or not. Um, I'm, I'm going to go by faith and say that it is because a good friend told me that the Bible says fear not 365 times, which means that there's a fear not for every single day in the year. Someone can maybe check that and Google and see if that's right or not. But we know that we're not called to fear. Yet many of us, we have held back on what God has called us to do in order to bring forth God into our generation because we're afraid of what it will cost us in terms of reputation, in terms of relationship, in, in terms of resources. So we become paralyzed and, and, and crippled by fear at the threshold of every major transition in our lives. Much like the children of Israel and the eight spies that came back from the promised land who was ate up with fear, they didn't ever get to experience the true favor of God. 
But the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they believed that God was able. And as a result, they were the ones, the only two, they were the two that got to go and to go into the promised land. You all catching what I'm saying this morning, church? Our world is spiraling out of control. I mean, I I don't watch news much, and there's a reason for that, (laughs) because when I turn it on, man, it's like two minutes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it'll make you fearful, because, but but I'll tell you what, there is truth in the sense that the world is kind of spiraling out of control. I mean, everyone is just gripped by fear and by terror, but the Bible says of you and I, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. Hey, we don't stop taking risks. We don't run away from darkness. We're thrust into darkness by dispelling it, by shedding the light and the life and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't run away from the world by hiding out in our basement with us four and no more. No. Jesus Christ did not come from heaven to earth and die on a cross and rise from the dead so that we would hide and cower in fear and live a nice, safe, comfortable life. He rose from the grave in order to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Don't allow the enemy, church, don't allow the enemy to use anything in your life to keep you from carrying out what God has called you to do. You see, when we find ourselves up against something, it's not the something that's the problem. It's not the doctor's report. It's not the overdue bill. It's not what others are saying about you. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the thing really isn't the thing. In other words, our struggle, it isn't against those things. The challenge is to make sure that you don't cower to fear. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants you to be paralyzed so that you won't activate your faith and you won't do the very thing that God has already declared that you will indeed do. You've just got to trust him and walk it out by faith. The angel of the Lord said to Mary, Mary, you're not going to be able to do this in the natural. And Mary, make sure you're not afraid because fear will cause you to say no when God is telling you to say yes. Church, let me ask you a question. What has caused you to take a step back and not take a risk of faith in the thing that God has called you to do? Now, you need to understand that when you say yes to God, Your life will be interrupted because God comes and he interrupts our plans with his purposes. Often when we're on our way to do something, that's the time I found that God calls us. I mean, Mary was on her way to do something. She was on her way to get married to Joseph. She wasn't planning to get pregnant with God, but God changed her plans. Some of us will be here and be like, well, that just wasn't part of my strategic plan. It never is. Every time that God has called me to do something in my life, I was on my way to do something else. Are you with me? Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, A man's 
heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Listen, I'm not saying to make plans. Are are you hearing me? Like, it's okay to make plans, but understand this. If you want to live a life that yearns and longs for the things of God, you better write those plans with a pencil. I'm talking about recognizing the audibles of God in our life and be willing to say yes at a moment's notice if necessary. And while we're talking about this, let me just say that the devil will try and cause every possible scenario to enter your mind as to why you can't do something. But you need to understand that what God calls you to do, it has nothing to do with your limitations, but it has everything to do with his supernatural ability. That's why the scripture says, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, according to what? His power at work within you. So it's God that wants to do it in you and through you. I mean, I'm sure that Mary was was thinking, there's no such thing as a pregnant virgin, right? Oxymoron, it's impossible. And most of us, we disqualify God from being God because it seems impossible to us. But you need to understand that impossible is where God starts. Miracles are what God does. He doesn't just show up whenever you're talented enough, gifted enough, resourced enough, or educated enough to do it in your own strength. Because if that were the case, then you would go it alone anyway, thinking that you don't even need God, and you'd end up taking the credit for it, right? But whenever we get to the place of recognizing that there is no human way, That's the time that God shows up. That needs to be a word of encouragement. I didn't hear faith coming back from you guys in that. Because some of you guys, you're believing God for some things right now, and you're thinking that it can't be done by you. You're right. It can't be. But guess what? It's not too big for God. You need to trust the spirit of the living God that's on the inside of you to carry out all that he's promised that he will do in your life. For no word from God will fail. Church, God operates in the currency of impossible and miracles. It's just what God does. It's exactly what God does. It's exactly what he does. The angel says to Mary, Mary, don't worry about this seeming impossible. Just say yes to this thing that I've called you to. And this is the same thing that God wants to speak to us this morning. Don't worry about the who, what, when, where, how, and why. Just say yes to what I'm asking of you. What's God asking you to do now, church? We get so planned out in our future, and that's fine. But what is it that he's asking of you now? You know, there's so many believers, they haven't lived by faith for years. I mean, they stepped out of the boat once, but now their life is so manageable, so comfortable that they don't even need faith to live it. And God says, will you step out of the boat again? And say yes. Would you carry me to your generation one more time and do what I've called you to do? You know, I'm grateful that I have friends that live this way. I'm grateful uh, for those who have walked away from nice, paying jobs in order to go pour into young people's life. Marie Ashley, wherever you're at, happy Mother's Day. 
I'm thankful for the moms who chose to stay at home with their children and pour into their lives. Hey, look, I have a wife who has the skill set, no joke, trust me, of being a CEO of any major company if she wanted to, but instead she followed the call of God to pour into the lives of our kids and the life of our others. Now watch this in case you hear me wrong. I'm not telling you to go quit your jobs. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Actually, there are the other side of those of you that are here that God is calling you to leave your comfortable life at home to go back into the marketplace where God wants you to shine the light and the life of Jesus Christ to a dying world. But what I want us to learn from the life of Mary is that whatever it is that God may be calling you to, there's a great probability that it's going to look foolish to others. You know, there's a a precedent for that in the scripture, right? There really is. All throughout the Bible, God used incredible people that were Willing to look foolish for the kingdom of God. I mean, Noah looked foolish building an ark. Imagine all of his friends who came up to him and says, hey, Noah, what you doing, man? He says, oh, building the ark. Like, what's that? He says, I don't know. He says, why are you doing it? He goes, oh, because it's going to rain. He said, what's rain? He says, haven't got a clue. So Noah had a, I don't know and, and haven't got a clue. Imagine Moses. There's a Red Sea in front of him and an Egyptian army at his rear. And all Moses has is a stick. Moses, what are you going to do with that stick? I don't know. You know what? I feel like this has been me uh, the majority of my Christian life. (laughs) I've got a stick. I've got a stick and there's a Red Sea in front of me and uh, a big army behind me on my tail. God, you're going to have to show up. Imagine how foolish Sarah looked whenever she was shopping at the maternity section at Target, shopping for herself. Imagine how foolish the Israelites looked on lap six of day seven, walking around the walls of Jericho. No AK-47s, no tanks, no cruise missiles, just a marching band uh, with their trumpets. Imagine how David looked, how foolish David looked going up against Goliath with his little slingshot. Imagine how foolish Esther looked going in to see the king without being summoned. Imagine how foolish Caleb looked at 85 when he said to Joshua, I'm not cashing in my 401k. Hey, there's no such thing as retirement in the Bible. There's only refirement. Are you hearing me? Give me this mountain. That's my inheritance, Caleb said. How foolish did Mary look, a pregnant virgin? How foolish were the wise men following after a star in order to find the Messiah? How foolish did Peter look whenever he stepped out of the boat walking on water? How foolish did the woman with the issue of blood look when she was reaching out, grabbing hold of the hem of Jesus' garment? How foolish did Paul and Silas look chained in prison singing, you have my yes? (laughs) And certainly to many people, Jesus looked foolish as he hung on a cross where people ridiculed him and mocked him, saying, that's your king? But nobody has ever done anything significant without being willing to look foolish. 
Oh my gosh, that is a key to unlocking your destiny, church. Let me say it again. Nobody has ever done anything significant without being willing to look foolish. And in our postmodern, secularized, privatized, pluralized, trendy little infotech society, God is asking, are there any Christians out there that are willing to look foolish to birth me into their world? And then are there any that are willing to trust me, to defy logic, and to step out of the boat? Because if you will, then you might just see the kind of results that we saw from these people in the scripture. Those who were prepared to look foolish for the sake of the gospel. Because Noah, he did save his family from the flood. Moses did part the Red Sea. Sarah did give birth to Isaac. The Israelites did see the walls of Jericho come down. David did kill Goliath. Esther did stop the Jewish genocide. Caleb did get Hebron. Mary did give birth to Jesus. The wise men did find the Messiah. The woman with the issue of blood, she was healed. Paul and Silas, they were set free from prison. And Jesus Christ was raised from the dead where he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, church, it dwells within you. And God is saying, would you dare to look foolish for the sake of the gospel? Church, our world is desperate. It's desperate and it's not going to take Slick, cool Christianity. We need a bunch of radical revolutionaries for the sake of the gospel. Mary was willing to risk it all to birth the incarnate God to the world. Now, would we, the church of Jesus Christ, be willing to risk it all to carry the spirit of God into a lost and broken world? It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That lives and dwells within you and me. And if you're willing this morning to say, God, I want you to use me. I dare to trust you for the impossible. I'm looking to you, God, and I'm willing to be foolish. And whatever that might mean for you in your life, if that's you, then I believe that great things are going to be activated in your life. And again, I'm sorry that you didn't get a a cutesy little Mother's Day message this morning. But as I said, I came this morning to do business, to do my father's business. I want to see Christians activated in order that we will see our world changed. Amen? Stand to your feet with me if you would. Stand with me and close your eyes. And if you'd be willing to raise your hands as a sign of surrender. Raise your hands. Pray this with me. God, I'm willing. I'm willing, Lord, to say it between you and him. Lord, and whatever words are in your heart, Lord, we're willing. We're willing, Lord God, to look like fools, God, for the sake of the kingdom of God. God, use us, Lord. Lord, use me. I'm going to say yes like Mary said yes no matter what that might mean. God, we don't want to settle for a complacent, 
comfortable Christian life. We want to be used to take you into a lost and a broken world. And we're saying yes, just as Mary said yes. And we're responding in the way that Mary responded by saying, let it be. Let it be according to your word. Have your way in our lives, precious Holy Spirit, we pray. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. The church of God says amen.